G'day friends and welcome to another episode of our Equip podcast. And sorry for the delay in getting this one to you, but we have quite a lot to chat through anyway in terms of the Crusades. Uh, now, not a small topic at all, of course. Uh, and where we started on Sunday was taking a look at sort of like a, a bird's eye overview of 600 odd years of church history from Augustine up till 1097 when the first crusade begins. And there's so much there. Um, you can take a look at the teaching notes on the website if you want to get just a quick overview of that. Uh, but we're going to go straight for the guts here as we think about what led to the Crusades and how we should think about it. So one of the things, of course, behind the Crusades is the rise of Islam. And you'll know the story of Muhammad and his, his supposed vision where uh, the angel Gabriel spoke to him uh, and where he talked to Jesus and received uh, various sort of um, affirmations from Christians about the veracity of his vision. Uh, but a lot of this is sort of reproduced in Muslim literature as opposed to historically verifiable stuff. Uh, and so um, there's these events supposedly around Muhammad's life. And what happens historically is, of course, there's a large community that begins to form around him. And particularly after he dies, uh, the community he left behind marches into Jerusalem and they conquer it, as well as Antioch and Alexandria, many of the places we read about in the New Testament. Uh, and Christianity almost totally disappears, even in North Africa, where Augustine himself had lived for hundreds of, uh, hundreds of years earlier. Now, uh, the Muslims expand into Spain. They expand a little bit further. They're stopped uh, by a Frankish king named Charles Martel, Charles the Hammer. Uh, but uh, there, there's, of course, this challenge from Islam that emerges in the 700s. Now, uh, that sort of sits in the background to the Crusades. There's a whole lot of other reasons why the Crusades happen as well. Uh, the rise of Islam is just one. Uh, one of the others is that military service comes to be seen as a form of penance. Now, one idea that emerged out of the medieval era in the church was this idea that if you confessed your sin to God, then, of course, you could receive forgiveness, but you'd still have to do something to show that your confession was sincere. And so you'd go and you'd confess to a priest, and then he would prescribe for you a, a penance, sort of a punishment or a, um, a, a point of evidence that your confession is actually genuine. And you would either pay for that sin either now in this life or in the life to come by entering purgatory. So people do all sorts of things as penance. But Pope Urban II in the, uh, the 1000s, like that first century of the, the second millennium, began to preach that going on a, uh, a military crusade to the Holy Lands that the Muslims had taken over could be considered a form of penance. In fact, it would be the ultimate form of penance. Uh, all of your sin up to that point in your life could be covered and, and you wouldn't be required to do any other penance up until the point of uh, that pilgrimage into the Holy Land. What that effectively meant was if you died on the battlefields of the Crusades, you would go straight to heaven. And that was a, a very appealing proposition for people. There was also the idea, uh, in, in uh, addition to the idea of military servants as penance, that this was a war of self-defense. Remember Charles Martel 
stood in the gap to stop the Muslim expansion beyond the Holy Lands. And uh, he was successful at that time. The idea sort of lingered on into the first century of the new millennium that this is still a war of self-defense. War itself would still be seen as sinful, of course, but it felt like kind of a, a necessary sin. The third reason was this could be missionary warfare. Uh, Charlemagne, the Frankish king that followed a, a generation or two after Charles Martel, thought of war as a way to enact God's purposes on earth, maybe even to convert heathens. Uh, you might remember from Sunday that he's the guy that forced the Saxons to be baptized when they were conquered. It was a way, on, on the one hand, maybe of trying to secure their conversion, though that, of course, was not the right way of doing it. On the other hand, it was probably a way of culturally controlling them. You know, we're forcing you to adopt our religion. Bernard of Clairvaux, who was an influential religious teacher at the time of the Crusades, uh, he sort of had this idea of sacred violence. Now, ironically, he was best known for his essays and his books on the love of God, uh, but he convinced knights, including what we now know as the Knights Templar, uh, to go in and fight the Crusades as this sacred and holy act. We're not fighting against men, but against evil. You are the defender of Christ and the defender of Christians. And he interpreted Ephesians 6 and the armor of God as this literal thing that people would put on. So you'd take up the sword of the spirit and you would go and kill the Muslims in the Holy Land. Horrific misinterpretation of the text. Uh, but he taught it and a number of people got on board. One other reason why the Crusades happened was that some supposed that it would help reunite the church. Uh, the East and the West were seemingly irreconcilable and uh, there was a further division caused over something called the Filioque Clause, uh, the idea that did the Holy Spirit proceed from just the Father or the Father and the Son, uh, and that sort of, sort of further entrenched the eastern and western sides of the church. And one of the thoughts was if we have a common cause going to crusade, uh, then perhaps we'll be reunited. Now, all of that just to say that it's, it's not just the rise of Islam that caused the crusades. There's a whole lot of political, cultural, uh, even sort of um, rhetorical factors behind this. People going around and, and convincing others, convincing the masses and convincing leaders of a whole lot of things. Uh, and so it's, it's quite complex to say what the cause of the Crusades actually was. Now, what happened? Well, Pope Urban II went around preaching and rallying a number of people to the Crusades, uh, and then uh, armies were formed to actually go into the land and, and take the Muslims on. Uh, there was a guy, Peter the Hermit, we heard about on Sunday, who uh, rallied a small army of 15,000 people. Uh, on the way, very sadly, they ransacked towns for no real reason. They killed about 4,000 Jewish people in one place, which is uh, tremendously sad. But when they reached the Holy Land ahead of the official armies, uh, they were soundly beaten. Now, Peter himself had already fled. He was back in Constantinople, so a bit of a coward. But when the actual armies came, um, they were they were, you know, perhaps 100,000 strong, says one historical account. 
and uh, they swept through Jerusalem and the rest of the Holy Land and uh, killed, massacred, an awful sort of bloodthirsty act of war. Um, this was just the first crusade. Uh, it was successful in the sense of its military aims, but as we saw on Sunday, there were other crusades that followed that were not successful in any respect, including the, the horrors of the children's crusade in which children went to fight. Now, where did this all lead? We didn't get to look at this too much on Sunday, uh, but as a, as a sort of high-level summary of where the Crusades led, it didn't end up uniting the church. The schism remained for hundreds of years followed. Byzantium uh, in the east, the, the eastern part of the Roman Empire, was weakened by the fighting. Uh, royalty was strengthened. So because people listened to kings as they went into war, uh, the, the influence and the power of the royalty actually became stronger. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Well, one thing it did was create more of a gap between the top and the middle. Uh, and that meant that, that there was more power entrenched in people like popes and, and kings. And uh, there were various effects that flowed from that in the years to follow. We'll take a look in class next week at that. It sent the papacy into decline. So people began to trust the popes less, even as they became more powerful. And as we'll see, that's probably a good thing overall, even though it wasn't one of the aims of the Crusades. There was some economic benefit, as war tends to bring, and also led to some people, uh, for some people, to a, a sort of learning. Uh, they learnt, in fact, that the Muslims that they went to fight were not, you know, blasphemous infidels who hated Christians and, you know, just just railed against the Christian God. Uh, actually, they were sort of noble infidels for the most part. Uh, there were actually non-violent attempts that followed to try and reach Muslims through traditional, uh, through traditional mission, uh, seeing them as, as people who were made in the image of God and, and needed the gospel. Uh, unfortunately, though, even though for, for some people, for some Christians, there was some learning that came from the Crusades, in many cases, Muslims became uh, even more intolerant and, and suspicious of Christians under their rule, and understandably so. A couple of other things that happened, uh, there were new religious orders that, that sprung up. One was an order called the Hospitallers, from which we get our word hospital and hospitality. Though they didn't just offer hospitality, they offered care, care for the sick, um, particularly those in war, uh, helping the sick and injured there. There was also the Knights Templar that I referred to earlier, uh, who were both good and bad. Their existence was supposed to be to protect and uh, they had sort of amazing financial resources to do that to try and protect pilgrims on the road to the holy land um, whether for war or for religious purposes um, they had uh, in fact 90 percent of the knights templar were non-combatants and they ended up pioneering banking in europe so they, they were quite a sort of um, savvy mob of people but uh, they were also uh, ones with a militaristic focus, and they were fierce fighters in the Crusades. Warfare went from a, a temporary act to a way of life for this group. Uh, and so there was a bit of good and a bit of bad. Um, worst of all, though, from the Crusades, and we, this still lingers today, Christ was dishonoured by sinful violence. And that's what makes this such a, a difficult thing to talk about. 
when we next meet, we're going to chat about that. How do we talk about the Crusades? Um, but hopefully that's a helpful review of some of the history around this area. I'm going to post a couple of other things up, including a podcast from John Dixon that goes into a lot more detail about the Crusades than we could cover in our class and, of course, in this 10 minutes. Give that a listen and look forward to seeing you guys next week.